well. He's an English actor and singer. He's been in peak practice, London's burning, heartbeat, Holby City. Oh, it's ridiculous. He's going into Helen Forrest's Tuppence to Cross the Mersey, which is touring all over. He's already in the Royal Court right now, listening to Mark Monaghan all about his acting career and life on the road in theatre. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, every week we try and have a star on, so we've got a star on, and it's a, a big one, this one, you know, because this guy... I'm not even going to start to read out Brookside and Peak Practice and London's Burning and Heartbeat and Holby City and Celebrity Masterchef. It's boring, Mark Monaghan. You've done so <laughs> much. You've had a great career yeah. so far. You really well, have. Well, I've been on. I've been on the planet a long time. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking well, ladies and gentlemen. I'll now tell you. You saw it on my social medias. I think we've had something like twenty-six thousand people say, "Who is it?" This is the man. On the board, that was on West Kirby Lake, and Hello, I, I didn't even recognise you. No, didn't recognise me. Want my clothes on? <laughs> well, no, no, we did panto together, so I have. We did. We I, did. I've had a blimp once by accident. So. <laughs> yeah, God. That it was amazing. Day. That actually, that panto with Jennifer. I was going to say Jennifer Ellison. It wasn't. That no, was Pamela Anderson. Wasn't Pamela it? Anderson. Yeah, yeah. It was he came down from the heavens playing a saxophone. I remember it was, and 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 was expecting a standing ovation for it. it well, yeah, I wasn't going to say that, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> it was. It's got to be one of the most bizarre things you've ever done. That panto. Yeah, it probably was. Yeah, I've done a lot of pantos, but that one probably was the most bizarre one I've ever done. Mark, good fun though. We had a, we had a good time. Didn't oh, we? we had a great cast. We had a great cast, and it was when that bad snow was here, and we had a great it cast. Was. And she yeah. was lovely when you got to know her. When you got yeah, rid of was. the minions round her, she was lovely. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And she's um, yeah, she's moved on. She does a lot with Petter and stuff like that. She's yeah. taken to animal welfare, yeah. so 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 that's not bad. Mark, I've never interviewed you before. Um, tell us how you got into acting. Oh God! School, primary school first. Um, Peter Sir, my old uh, form teacher, he uh, he obviously saw something in me. He cast me as Peter Pan when I was about nine, and uh, and I got the bug. I loved it. And then I was in all the all the Christmas school shows, and and then I went to Arundel Comp in uh, Sefton Park Road, and uh, and uh, and Peter Casey, my drama teacher, again kept on casting me in plays and I, that was it and then the BBC came to the school and auditioned me and this other kid Steve McManaman but not that one obviously uh, for a Willie Russell play called Lies for the BBC a programme called Scene and me and Steve got the two leads in it and um, so I got paid a load of money and I was a 15 year old lad um, so that, that kind of made my mind up then and then I went off and did the other things uh, did a lot of Unity Theatre and Equity was a closed shop and you couldn't get in. So I was kind of doing lots of amateur shows, but couldn't get in Equity to save my life, you know. And then uh, eventually, a few years later, I got Ricky Tomlinson as my agent and um, I got a part on Bread, a cough and a spit, and then uh, a thing called Help with uh, Jake Abrams, Stephen McGann. And yeah, so it just kind of went on from there, really. Mark, did you have a supportive family when you first went in, or were they trying to dissuade you from becoming? No, well, I, no. My dad always said, you know, if that's what you want to do, then go for it. So yeah, I was kind of encouraged uh, all along the way, really. So yeah, I mean, 
I left school at 15 with no qualifications because I wanted to get out into the big wide world and earn money. So I, I, had, uh, I worked on a market stall in Park Road selling eggs and, um, and fruit and veg and stuff. So I was earning money at 15 rather than yeah. getting an education. And I was also doing um, amateur drama on the side, I suppose, and keeping my hand in. But um, it wasn't until I was about 19, 20 that I decided to go full on and, and turn professional and, and give it a go. Mark, Brookside, whatever anybody said, in its day was absolutely yeah. revolutionary television. It was. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, especially when Ricky Tomlinson was in it, and, you know, and uh, that family, I mean, some of the storylines, they were they they were groundbreaking. They were ahead of most other subs. I think every every other sub followed, followed Brookside, really, in terms of, you know, big storylines and... And they weren't frightened to rock the boat, I suppose, in the early days. But um, yeah, unfortunately, it lost its way towards the end, unfortunately, and you know, and that was its demise. Yeah, it was interesting you say that because also the the big thing about Brookside on both sides of the camera, writers, cameramen, lighting, so many people went on to bigger yeah. things. Oh, well, yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, there's an awful lot of people that have gone on to to do great things in Hollywood, and you know. They, they really have. So, yeah, I mean, it's it spawned a lot of great, talented people. So, you know, you've got to take your hat off to Phil Levin for that, you know. He's, and he, he employed an awful lot of local local people. So, you know, for that, I'll always be eternally grateful to him, really. One thing I loved about Phil, and it's still there today with Hollyoaks, he taught everyone that nobody's a star. Everybody yeah. from the cleaner to the yeah. doorman to everybody was the same, weren't they? Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's the old Bill Shankly ethos, isn't it? No one's bigger yeah. than the club. It's true. It's, it's. Um, I think that's a good way of working. You know, I, I, I've always said that. I think I'm a team player. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure people would say otherwise. But um, I think it's all about the team because no one's, uh, no one person on their own can can make the thing work. You know, it's it's a team effort. So, yeah, I'm all about being part of a team. Definitely. Now, what I love about you is you quietly got on with it but you were never and are still never off the telly. Is that luck? Is it your way? Is it your manner? Is it... Or... No, it's luck. It's all luck. It's it's total luck. You know the way actors say they, they choose a career path in, and they say, well, I, I decided to go on and do films and do this and do that. I think that's nonsense. Unless you're, you're the son or daughter of Lord and Lady so-and-so, you know, it chooses your path for you because I just basically got offered jobs and I took them. So my path was one soap after another or continuing drama, whatever you want to call it. So I just took the jobs I was offered when I was when I'm young. You know, you want to you want to earn money and you're grateful to get the work. So so the career path chose me, not the other way around. So any actor who says otherwise, I think is a liar, really, unless they've got they've had a leg up from you know, as I say, a rich or well-known actor parent in the business is, you know, is giving the leg up. I couldn't agree with you more. I have been unashamedly uh, a fan of soaps, ongoing dramas, and now they are the place to be. Um, yeah. Actors would give anything to be in a soap. Major stars. Well, this is the thing. Yeah. If, if you go, I mean, if Ian McKellen, if Coronation Street's good enough for Ian McKellen, then yeah. that's it all. <laughs> yeah, and you've got Maury Lippman in Corrie now, you know. I mean, 10 years ago, actors were turning their nose up. But uh, I suppose the other thing as well, there's less work around. So, you know, it opens the door 
the soap door to, yeah. to, to some big names who not necessarily would have would have done it kind of 15 years ago. If you just joined us, I'm talking to Mark McGann, who is going into... Um, I'm definitely not one of them again. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Monaghan. Sorry, Mark. Sorry, Mark. It, it's terrible when you're word blind over names, you know, because I've been word blind all my life, and it's. In, yeah. and, am I right, Jonathan? You cannot. He's nodding, saying he's sitting there, nodding. <laughs> you're going into the Helen Forest, uh, Tuttons Crossing the Mersey, which you've done before, yeah. which we'll talk about in a second, because you're coming the Epstein, the Floral, um, St Helens, which we're really excited about. Of all the stuff you've done, like peak practice and uh, London's Burning. Them. Which ones have you enjoyed most? Uh, I suppose I think well, Holby was great. I mean, it was hard work because it was a bit of a treadmill, but it was it was great fun as well. And and I had lots of friends who came came through the door at various times, so that was good catching up with lots of mates from the past and stuff. So Holby was good. Dream Team was also that was a labour love because of the football element, and we got to go to Paris and we got to go to Spain and film, and we had such a great time. You know, a gang of lads playing football. What's not to like? You know. Um, so so yeah, those two probably stand out in terms of um, long running jobs I was in that that, uh, that were good fun. Now, what about the cooking when you were offered that? Oh yeah, a Master Chef. Well, yeah, I never realised I could cook. Well, I kind of did, but. I was never given the chance. It was only when I was doing Holby and I had a flat in um, in London that I thought, well, I'll make a conscious effort to, to buy fresh ingredients and, and, and live well rather than just having TV dinners, as they were called, you know. And so I just, I used to experiment and I, I got quite good at it. And, and then I was offered MasterChef and I thought, oh, I'll give this a go. And um, I kept on getting through and I ended up in the final. So, yeah, I must have been doing something right. Did you feel that at, at, when you were in MasterChef that your acting skills were helping you? Uh, oh, God, no, not at all. Um, it, it, was, uh, it was an alien environment. I mean, I'm working in doing uh, a lunch, lunch um, service in Fortnum and Mason, yeah. you know, to paying customers. So you had to be on the ball. The chefs were balling and shouting at you. It was, it, was a, it was a real pressure environment. And, you know, what you see on TV is what you get. There's no... There's no tricks. It's all real time, and and you have to perform when you're out the door, you know. And um, but I loved it. I kind of thrived on the on the pressure. But no, I don't think my acting came in at all. Uh, and in fact, I got overly emotional a few times. I'm not I'm that great at being praised as me. I'm all right with them with, with a character, but I'm not, I'm not comfortable get, getting overly praised. I just find it a little bit. I just don't know. I just I'm a bit weird, but maybe. I, so so getting told your food's great and they, and you you invest so much of yourself into it. Yeah. I got emotional at times when when John Tyrrell said that's that's one of the nicest things I've ever tasted. So you know, and you invest so much time in it that you kind of get wrapped up in this bubble, I suppose. And sometimes it gets the better of you, like it did with me at one point. Interesting. I thought it was great telly. Uh, by the way, if you've just joined us, I'm talking to Mark Monaghan, uh, and he's going into uh, Tuppence Across the Mersey again, which is fabulous. I've got to ask you one more question before we talk about that. Travelling round, I was on the road for a long time, doing 70,000 miles a year as a working comic. It's lonely, isn't it? People think it's a great life, but it's quite lonely sometimes. It can be, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it's... I do enjoy it though. Um, I always try and but what I try to do, whatever I happen to be in the country, I always make a point of getting home Saturday night after the show. I just get in my car and I get home, 
and spend the weekend or even if it's just a day, touch base with the family and then and I'm ready then for the for the Monday or the Tuesday to go back on tour. So I don't stay away any longer than I think the most I stay away is two weeks and I've I've, I've got to touch base with the family. So for me that gets me through it. I'm all right for a week away. I can cope. I can just, you know, enjoy well the job I'm doing. But then after a fortnight, I'm like, right, I need to go and see the family and get home and, and touch base with the family just to get my feet back on the ground and, you know, and recharge. And then I'm ready to go again. So, yeah, so I, I've got through it that way. I, I don't really... Uh, I, I kind of enjoy yeah. that, really. Interesting you say that. I always remember Doddy, when he was working in London, would come home every night. Uh, Bernard Manor yeah. would come home every night. And Tommy Cooper would, it was in the contract, he never worked Sunday. He had to go home to his wife Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. I think that, that's what kind of, it, make, it helps for a happy family unit, I suppose, if that's the... The, the expression because an awful lot of um, marriages failed because of the industry and, and the nature of it and being away from home for, for long periods of time so, so yeah I mean I know I know from personal experience so yeah but um, so now I'm a bit more I suppose as I'm getting older I'm, I'm a bit more choosy I only do stuff I want to do I treat it now more like a hobby than a job because you know you're only here once and you know lockdown taught me a hell of a lot I really enjoy being home with the family. I really did. So I, whenever jobs come up now, I just if I want to do it, I'll do it. If yeah. not, I'll just say no. Yeah. You know. Whereas when I was a young man, I just I'd have jumped at everything. Would you, as a young man, though, if you'd have been in the pandemic, would you have panicked because there was no work? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I think. I think I would have done, Pete. Yeah. Um, because you're only as good as your last job, and people soon forget. You know. I mean, if you haven't been on telly for. for a year or two people think you're dead you know um, and that's that's what always makes you laugh but people still say oh Holby City and they forget I left in 2005 yeah. you know time goes on so fast but um, yeah but, but I, yeah, I, I, mean, I still Granada I still call Granada reports Granada reports so <laughs> it, it, I make that point it does stay with you doesn't it It, it people does, yeah. does you know people are out there yeah. tell me acting on television and acting on stage which do you prefer I love them both equally. I mean, you can't beat a live audience. There's no substitute for for them, for an audience who are, that appreciate what you're doing and they get the jokes and they they like the songs and they you know and and they stand up at the end sometimes and you think that's why we do it. You get that adrenaline buzz. There's nothing like it. So that in, that immediacy you get from a from an audience, you can't replicate that. But TV, I love the process of TV and film of 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 crafting a character you get the script and you you decide what way you're going to go with him and and then and then you you put it on its feet and you you get with the other actors and and that that whole process and then you get in front of the camera I love that process I just and then I love to see the end result and see how it's going out and it, it's for different reasons but um, very different techniques as well obviously but um, I love them both equally I think interesting and of course you've got a bit of a singing voice well thank you yeah yeah that's been a warbler for a few years. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just, I think it just goes hand in hand with, you know, most actors I think can sing or, or I'm not a dancer, like, but I think most actors have got more than one string to the bow. I think you have to have really to, to, to um, stay in the game yeah. for a long, long period of time. So, so yeah, I do enjoy singing and, you know, it, it, I love getting a job where it, it um, involves 
both acting and, and singing as well. It's interesting. Uh, Helen Forrester's uh, Tops to Cross the Mersey is coming to the Epstein Theatre uh, on November the 5th to the 12th. The Floral in New Brighton, September the 6th to the 11th. St. Helen's Theatre uh, Royal at September the 27th to the 1st of October. You've been in this and watched it develop. I've seen it twice now. I didn't like it at the beginning at all. I love now what it is. It's developed, hasn't it? It does, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was it was possibly over overly long when it was first done, and it was a musical, of course. So it's not a musical any longer. I thought I loved the music in it, but but I think music dates, music can date, and and I think as a play, it works really well. Um, and it's the storytelling theatre that works. The characters uh, verbalise the scenes and then go into character. So I quite like that that style. And it's it's just it's just a nice story. It's it's um it's a heartwarming story. It's also very sad. And Helen, you know, it's a true story as well. So it's it's a bit of a history lesson among other things. And I think it's a nostalgic journey for for people of a certain age, you know. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's uh, I think people will, uh, will enjoy it, especially the the updated version. I've just mentioned three theatres, but it's a complete autumn tour, isn't it? It's going to be oh, a big we're all one. over the place. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're up in uh, Darlington. We're down in uh, Croydon. Uh, we're in Coventry. Uh, yeah, we're, we're in Wales. Yeah, we're all over the all over yeah. the place. So yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It looked a very happy cast. Um, this can also be a problem, can't it? If it isn't a happy cast uh, in our job. Well, definitely. Yeah, I mean. You know, that's if you if you if you're with a gang of actors who you all get along, and uh, it just makes the job so much easier and fun to do. You know, I mean, I'm I'm rehearsing. You'll never walk alone. Let's talk about six, which opens on Friday at the Royal Court. Yeah, and we just had a screen in rehearsals with Lindsay and and Jake Abraham, and we just have a screen. You know, every day's a uh, uh, crack. You know, in rehearsals and and we're singing, we've got a live band and stuff, and swimming in the rehearsal rooms, when the, um, when the musicians get off the instruments, we jump on them, we jam. So <laughs> I'm just having a great time with, with everyone. And you're home as well? Yeah, yeah. Back up to see family and stuff. So that's always good. I mean, I, I just caught up with one of my best pals, Tony, uh, last week, last Friday, and uh, we went to town in the sunshine. It was great. I hadn't seen him for over two years with the lockdown. So, you know, again, it, it, it's, the ability to be able to touch base with all those people I haven't yeah. seen for over two years, and I mean, I've got it's going to be emotional. I mean, it really is. Interesting you say about touching base. It was a thing I could never understand in the industry where you and I could work together and we would never see each other for maybe two, three years. But when we see yeah. each other, you pick up as if nothing's do, happened. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the nature of who we are as, as people, as entertainers, actors, whatever. If you're in that kind of industry, you can't, you, you're used to that, you know, and you, do, and you often do see people on the circuit like four, five, six years down the line and you do kind of take off because we, we, we meet so many people all, along the way. You know, all like to say, oh, we'll keep in touch. It's just very difficult because everybody's lives move on. Yeah. You know, some give up the industry and some go into other places, some leave the country. So it, it's very difficult to maintain those kinds of relationships unless you, you, you live locally, you know, with somebody, I suppose. 
Mark, you mentioned the Royal Court. Tell everybody what that's about, because it is it's, okay, well, it's yeah, true well, and tested, it's, isn't it? True and tested. Yeah, it's great, yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, you'll never walk alone. Uh, it's, uh, let's talk about Six Baby. It's, the, it's basically the history of Liverpool Football Club, and it's a, mu- it's a musical. And we, go, we, we start in 1892, and we go right up to present day with Jürgen Klopp, and we've got the, 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 the stages, a live band on the left, and then we've got the Shankly Gate, and we've got a big screen, which we show footage on, and to the right of that is a bar, the family pub. And we, we start off with the family's, uh, our, my dad's funeral, and we're scattering his ashes, and we start to tell the stories of, of Liverpool with song, with comedy, with sketches, with with footage, uh, and it's just a riot. And we've done it so many times. We did it in Dublin, in Belfast. It sells out every time we do it. And obviously, oh, with lockdown, we won the title. We've won. We won so many trophies. Trying to fit them all in has been an absolute nightmare. But I think we've done it. And I watched some of the footage on on uh, Friday, um, and for the first time, and I was choked. I was really choked. I, I put a tweet out. Bring your tissues because it's going to be emotional. Um, yeah, so I, I can't wait to, to get on stage. Do you get anybody um, actually coming from other football clubs? Uh, I'm not so. Well, we have. We've had the odd fans. Do you know what? You don't have to be a Liverpool fan to appreciate it. It's 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 so entertaining and and uh, it's a history lesson again, as I said. But um, but yeah, the the feedback we've had from non-Liverpool supporters has been excellent. So. You don't necessarily need to know about football or like football even to come and see the show because it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not it's nothing like anyone would imagine, I, I, I don't think. No, and it, it's tr- it's tried and tested. I mean, that's why they keep bringing yeah. it back and back and back. Mark, why should people come and see Helen Forrest? You're going on tour. It's an autumn tour. You're coming to the Epstein. You're coming to the Florida. You're coming to St. Helens. Why should they go and see it? Well, it's a good old-fashioned story. It's uh, it, it's based in truth, and it's 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 funny. It's it's sad. It's funny. Um, it's just good family entertainment, and um, it's it's got a real heart to the story. Um, and we've got some great actors in it, you know. And uh, yeah, I just think it's. I'm glad it's come back because um, last time it, uh, we went on tour, it got shut down because of lockdown. So. Yeah. So we're all raring to go to put on a great performance. Mark Monaghan, I've taken an awful lot of your time. Thank you so much for joining us. You're going on tour with Helen Forrest, Tuppence uh, to cross the Mersey. And around here, it's going to be the Epstein, the 5th of November to the 12th, Floral, September the 6th to the 11th, St. Helens Theatre Royal, 27th to October the 1st. So you've got a few few days staying at home. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. I'll... Um... I'll be able to commute to quite a few of the dates, the venues. So, yeah, if that's, uh, that's a bonus. Thanks, Mark. All the best, Pete. Take care. If you enjoyed that, why not just subscribe as it's totally and utterly free of charge? <laughs>